and welcome back to Turf Talk. I'm Lewis Tomlinson. As per usual, I'm joined by Mr. Big Jim Watson. Uh, it's been a while since we've been on. We had our young person in racing discussion. Uh, if you've not listened to that yet, go and check it out when you have time. It's it's really interesting with Kitty Trice, Joe Tuffin and Josh Dacey. Uh This episode's a little bit different uh, because we are going to be focusing on one man and that man is the big man himself, Mr. James Watson, uh, talking about how Jim really got into racing his his favourite horses and his favourite racers. It's a bit of a... I mean, to be fair, pal, I came to you with this on Monday and then racing with Mike and Tom Cole, who are good, <laughs> who are, uh, good friends of the podcast, told us to do it on Twitter. And the responses we got were slightly different, weren't they? Uh, yeah. Um... He plays the crowd, does Watson. Yeah. Uh, I may have had a busy evening Xboxing instead of recording a podcast. Um, sometimes you've just got to do what you got to do. And I managed to fit you in my very busy schedule this week. <laughs> um, and yeah, here we are. Uh, on, on a scale of any Hong Kong expert to Rafe Beckett, how much are you enjoying lockdown so far? <laughs> I'm 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 still in the camp of I'm enjoying it. Um, <laughs> I've said previously I don't have much time off. This is the most time off I've ever had, and it's nice to just sit back. And, I've cleared out my bedroom, look back at some of the things from high school. It's nice just to have a bit of a re- reflection time. To be honest, um, my life's very hectic, so it's nice to sit down and just chill out a bit. Really, um, I'm enjoying watching Hong Kong racing. If I'm being brutally honest. Um, I've learned that Jean Moreira and Zach Purton win everything, <laughs> and that you need to be installed one, two, or three, and get the get with the pace, and you've won the race. <laughs> um, that's all I've I've learned really, and uh, I've been watching Gulfstream and enjoying it. It's not it's not it's nothing like English racing, is there? But obviously, um, two year olds get turned over that he's talked up. So yeah, quite fun. Is that what Happy Valley is, Jim? Is, is Happy Valley just the Far East Chester? Yeah, I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, just the way racing is. I'd love to go there one day um, because it seems like a an astounding place to go. It's it's like it's in the middle of a city. It's like, what's going on? Um Purton and Moreira are exquisite. Um, there's a, I'm, I'm not sure about the whip bands over there. I think, I think there'd be a few jockeys who would have some problems if they were to do that over here. But yeah, I, I, I'm quite enjoying watching different racing and, and seeing how they race elsewhere. Yeah, of course. Let's not forget that the real Val- Happy Valley is here in HX5. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. That was proper good. One of my favourite programmes to watch. Although I have been binge watching quite a bit recently, so. Before we get into you talking about Colin Tizard for what I assume is going to be three hours, uh, uh, no, no, not that much. I've cut him down quite a bit here. Ha. Uh, I, I, I am going to uh, talk about a little bit of a campaign uh, that I'm, I'm hopefully getting involved in, and hopefully we're going to be able to come up with some creative ideas uh, between myself and Jim and with the podcast on how to raise money uh, for stable staff who might find themselves struggling uh, during during the pandemic, obviously. Uh, 
you know, think things are slowing down for a lot of people. And I, I guess there will be in, in, in all walks of life, people who are finding their um, income streams severely depleted. Uh, it's, it's for racing. Uh, it's the number four racing uh, v COVID-19 on Twitter. It's at four racing one. Uh, th- these links to retweets I've, I've, I've done from them uh, on my own account, which is at LT racing underscore. I'm sure the podcast will uh, uh, retweet their, uh, all their details as well once this is out. And it's, it's, it's in collaboration with Racing Welfare. Uh, and, and really, that's what the campaign is. They've got a GoFundMe up, which has currently raised over 600 quid. I'll be doing the Raw Egg Challenge from tomorrow. They've put me up to that. Uh, so hopefully you could stick a bit of, of money into the pot to see me down an egg. Uh, I'm sure Watson might be getting a nomination as well. Oh, thanks. Uh, you, you've sort of ruined the surprise now. <laughs> off, off, off the back of that, but it's it's a it's a really worthwhile campaign. They've got loads of uh, creative ideas. The they've joined in partnership with Rebecca Menzies, who who's doing a great shout with Rainbow Applause, a two-year-old sprinter as well. If you've not seen that, to raise money for the NHS, they've got a charity horse uh, for racing v COVID as well. Are looking at the possibility of getting a charity horse as well, which I'd love to be involved with. Uh, and I just thought it's it's important to it's an important cause really that they've been trying to get a little bit more traction behind the campaign and I'm really glad that hopefully we can we can support them and hopefully if you can uh, if you've got any money spare at this time it, it might be a nice a nice place for it to go because obviously you know it's it's a bread and butter of the sport in it the, the people who look look after the horse it's all well and good having Sheikh Mohammed having his you know, multi-million pound pin of tubos, but if there's no one there, there, there to look after them, we have no racing. Uh, so that's at 4Racing1 is is the Twitter account. Please go and give that a follow if you can and help raise awareness and the profile of such a good cause. As we move on then, Jim, to yourself. Uh, I'll just start then. Obviously, we mentioned before on the podcast, your granddad's had horses and it's, it's just always kind of been a a thing for you and it? it's, it's always been a part of your life it's a very social thing for you you know you, you have you have your pub syndicate and uh and even though I, I, I give you some stick on this podcast you do occasionally come up with some very sensible things <laughs> that's that's one of the kindest things you've ever said to me um it's it's just been growing up used to spend a lot of time with my grandma and granddads uh used to always used to be on telly used to watch BBC News, then you'd have Bargain Hunt, uh, and then you'd watch the racing. Uh, and I'd spend most so of my afternoon there. It was it was between horses and antiques for you? Well, I'm a, you I'm a mixture of all. You could have been a very different man. I, I love a bit of Bargain Hunt, to be fair. Um, I'd, I'd love to go on. I find it fascinating. But, uh, they always lose, don't they? I think with Bargain Hunt, spend as less as possible, uh, and then you get higher profit. And it, I'd, I'd buy three three things under a tenner. Sorry, we're digressing. <laughs> you, you were going to go into a proper in-depth strategy there, weren't well, you? I've, I've fully thought how I'd play the bargain hunt game if I was to go on. I, I, no, no money would be spent. It, just profit. That's all we'd make is profit. Are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to? How much do you get given? You get given like 200 quid, don't you? Yeah. So if I just bought like three fingers of fudge, 
I'd have £195, £25 left, and I'd just walk home with that. Yeah, no, but you've got to give it to your your fella who you've got with you, and then he gets to spend that on whatever he wants, whatever your leftover lolly is. So. Oh. Yeah. I thought, see, I, I thought, I thought I'd broken the system there. <laughs> you, you can't just run away with £195. <laughs> was that simple. If only things were that simple, pal, I indeed. If only racing were that simple as well. Uh, we're going to start first, Jim, with your five favourite racers of all time, mate. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the regular listeners will be able to guess which what one of them is. Uh, what's the first one you'd like to talk about, pal? So I've ranked them in a system of five. Um, so I'm going to start with number five first. And you'll be very surprised. You, you've think that Lost in Translation's Betfair Chase is going to be on this list, but he's not in the top five. <laughs> he was sixth. He was sixth. Um, yeah, no, very surprised. But in at number five is the Judmont International of 2010 with Rip Van Winkle beating Byword and twice, uh, twice over. Um, this, was, this was my first race meeting I went to. Um, my mum, my dad, my granddad took me. Um, it sort of this race is what captured it for me. Um, there was a, it, there were I think cavalry man was in behind in fourth. It was just a really really good race. And throughout the race, I thought Khalid Abdullah had the race sorted up with either of them. I remember I backed by word, and uh, I was I was sure he'd won it coming for home, but. Rip Van Winkle came up the stand side, just prevailed late on, and it was just a great race to watch. I, I, it was that that moment when Rip Van Winkle, I think there was a photo finish. That moment for me made me think, yeah, this is the sport for me. Um, and fortunately, I was there to watch such an exciting race. And the Judmont International for me. Been going to York since 2010 is always one of the main races of the season for me. It means maybe I, I won't. I'm a Lancastrian, but I've been brought up around Yorkshire. Um, that's the most important race of the season, in my opinion. Sometimes um, you have the Derby, you have everything, but it, it's almost the mixture of the Guineas, the Derby, and the older horses put together. And the Judmont International normally doesn't disappoint in that. And for me, I, I, Rip Van Winkle's beat Lost in Translation in this list to fifth place. And this was what kick-started my racing love, really. Yeah, Rip Van Winkle was a very good horse as well, wasn't he? It's, I, I always kind of like seeing a, a horse in, in the Rip Van Winkle acceleration mold where they'd normally be very good and they keep getting beat by the same exceptional animal. And I really like it when they get their day in the sun. Uh, and this really was Rip Van Winkle's. He won the Sussex and the QE2 the year before. Yeah, he did. Definitely definitely the Sussex. Uh, and, and went on and went on to win this. And it, it was, like you said, it was a good race. Byword was an absolutely gorgeous animal, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. He, he was such a... He used to travel all the world for Andre Farb, didn't he? And he, he was just, just he, he always ran a good race. I, I can't off the top of my head remember a bad race he, he won. 
And Rip Van Winkle, in another year, if he'd have ran with against other horses, he'd he'd probably have been winning even more races. Um, he won over one point two million pounds worth of prize money, and I just think Rip Van Winkle didn't really get the credit he deserved in his racing career, but he gets the credit in my eyes because he was that race was what kickstarted it for me. Yeah, I, I, I were a bit of a sucker for Bywise. Uh, by, Bywise? Bywise. <laughs> Rip Van Winkle never raced against Bywise, unfortunately. That would have been a good laugh. Uh, <laughs> Byword, when I were getting into racing, I'll, if I could design my own horse, it'd be a chestnut with a massive white face. And and twice and twice over was a bit of a legend as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he always used to turn up every race and he'd run his heart out. And I remember vividly, I was stood on the rail watching the Jubman and there was this mental Irish man stood next to me and I couldn't understand a word he's saying. I just kept hearing over at the end and it was, he was saying come on twice over, but it (laughs) sounded like absolute gibberish and I'm not even going to attempt to do an Irish accent or even try and say come on twice over like that. But from then it was the buzz, it was the feel, it was the crowd. Everything stood on the back of my neck as if to go, wow, that was amazing. He's over in New Zealand now, isn't he, Rick Van Winkle? Yeah, uh, that's why I, I did a bit of research before. He's running for Grand at Stud. I didn't think that was... Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's down under. He's, he, he has had some decent sons over here. The, the best of which, actually, is Ripoff. Yeah. In terms of prize money, that's what Rick Van Winkle's uh, highest earning son. Uh, round this neck of the woods, he's also got a... A couple of, I say, most of his top ones are, are down under. But yeah, it's, it's a good shout, Jim. It's not what I expected. I mean, I'm gobsmacked that you not stuck lost in translation in your top five. You're going to be pretty but, gobsmacked throughout this list, to be brutally honest. Yeah, but no, I, I think that's a good start, mate. I like that. We'll go on to number four, pal. Number four is the Haydock Sprint Cup of 2017. Uh, my boy finally had his day in the sun. Uh, Harry Angel, he finally got the Sprint Cup up to his name. Um, I, I'd, I'd always have a soft spot for him. I thought he was a superstar as a two-year-old. Um, he, When he won at Haydock for the fourth time in the Sandy Lane, I thought, Christ, he's a serious speedy beast. Um, he won comfortably that day. And then going on to the Commonwealth Cup, I thought, wow, right, Caravaggio is good, but I had a, I had a bet with one of my good mates that he would beat Caravaggio easy, and when he beat, when he got beat in the Commonwealth Cup, I remember I, had, I was reduced to tears. I was, I was thinking, how's he got beat here? And then he went and proved everyone wrong and won the July Cup. Now I couldn't have chucked the July Cup in there. As, as my number four, but because I was at Haydock when he won the Sprint Cup, that's what just edged it for me. The ground went against him because I always believed he was better on better ground. The ground was bottomless. Uh, he beat a decent field. Tin Man, trusty Tin Man was in behind. And Kurt, it was just poetry in motion, him and Kirby. And for that reason, Harry Angel has to get a mention in this race. I, I enjoy the Haydock Sprint Cup. It's one of the main meetings I look forward to every season. And to see such a good horse as him win it 
has to put him in this list. And I can't wait to see Pierre Lapin, who he's related to, uh, run for the rest of this season. He's got a big, big future. He's a lovely horse. Yeah, I've I've only ever been to Haydock once, which was with you on Peter Marsh Day uh, last last year. It's it's, it's a re- quite a nice track, isn't it? Uh, I, I know you're you're a bit of a regular there. Uh, did, did that make it a little bit more special having you know having the group one? Is it is it is the Sprint Cup a race you look forward to a lot more because of you know your local connections to the track? Yeah, being fairly close to the track uh, and like I quite enjoy going to Haydock on a Wednesday afternoon uh, during the summer um, it's just there's not many people there it's nice and quiet but you still get good quality horses you get maidens there with Gosden sent some good Olfin have sent there's always a high quality there uh, and because Haydock is it has a bad reputation for the people that are there but the quality of racing is normally very very good Um and I think that's why Harry Angel, it meant so much for me when Harry Angel won this race because I got to see him in the flesh at the peak of his abilities. Yeah, he was absolutely imperious as well. You, you don't see many group one sprints won by four lengths. No, you don't. Uh, and especially at that higher level on that ground that he didn't enjoy. Yeah, we've got, I mean, he's he, he's been retired now Two two years, so his his, his first two year old should be out next season. Um, is my maths right? I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, but whenever they do, I'm sure I'll be backing them off cliffs because I I thought he'd win everything, and then when he didn't, I sort of had egg on my face. But I didn't. I wasn't really bothered because I'd seen him win the July Cup, and I'd. And he's won the Sprint Cup. For me, they're the two main races that you need to win if you're a good sprinter over six. And he, and he won them. So, 10 out of 10 for him. And you might get mentioned later on. Just a hint. Yeah, in terms of breeding as well, I absolutely love Dark Angel as a sire. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I love his name being by Beatrix Potter, Harry Angel, and then there's Pierre Lapin. And, oh, I, I, I love it. I, I that's that's I like well-named horses. If, if I think put a tweet, there was a tweet the other day that I saw that you put of what's the worst horse named in training? What's the Wi-Fi code? I'm with you there. That that infuriates me. Name a horse something clever. Yeah, I also put mince up. I, I, I thought, why would you call a horse mince? Yeah, it was really a really speedy filly. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, what was the one that the Queen had called? Was it Sextant that was really well named? Sextant. Uh, yeah, the, the, there was a story behind that, wasn't there? Um, where is it? I can't find it. You know. But anyway, but that was that was a cleverly named. I like I like well named horses. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to be any good, but <laughs> if you're a well named horse, that means you've normally got some form of success. <laughs> Has it ever happened? Have you ever backed a horse initially because of their name or or grown attached to them because of their name and then they've actually turned out to be fairly decent? When I'm younger, when I was younger, probably. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, my grandma, she 
she normally picks her horses on, on names. Monet's Garden, that was purely on looks and names. She liked that name. Um, my grandma, One of my grandma's favourite named horses in training is Lost in Translation. How ironic. So, um, yeah, I I've probably have when I was younger, but now I, I look too deeply into things. Maybe that's why I can't tip as many winners. <laughs> oh, Sexton's out of high potter news, uh, and they're both maths words. Uh, I'm not intelligent enough, unfortunately, it, what, to one, work out or explain it, it's why. It's used to measure the distance between us and the moon or something like that, if I remember rightly. Welcome back to amateur geometry. <laughs> Is it geometry? Geometry talk? We've had everything. We've had everything. We've had bargaining on. We've had We've had horses. What more do you want from a podcast? Another race, please, pal. Um in at number three is the King George of 2015, where Q Card just got the better of the tour. Um, where have we gone? Here? I've lost. I've lost all my notes. Um, I worked this Boxing Day. It was one of the only Boxing Days I worked, and I remember I recorded it. I didn't want anyone to tell me any information about any race. I didn't want nothing, and I'd spent the whole afternoon working, and I was thinking, I think I'd back Sylvan Yarko, and I'm thinking, right, it's a very good race. This was before my proper love of Colin Tizard, can I add, um, and it was just a magnificent race to watch. I got home, had something to eat, put my feet up, watched the racing, and it was the way Vitor travelled into the race. As if to go, how he, I've, I've watched the race three times today, watching it back. I've not a clue how he didn't win. Uh, but Card just showed that willing attitude to just put his head in front, just on the line. He had a few sketchy jumps, I can tell you that, Card. He didn't jump magnificently. But it was, it was a great race to watch. If you look at the horses that were in behind, Alpha Roth, Smad Place, Don Cossack was still travelling well. Um, before going down at the second last. Sylvan would he have won? I, I think he would have been there or thereabouts. Um, whether he'd won, um, I, I, I think Card would have probably... He, he was finding, he was fine, he was game, and, game as anything. But um, I think Don Cossack would have been very close. I, I wouldn't say would have won. Would have been close. Um, it was just a great race to watch. Uh, and having worked all of Christmas, the pinnacle of, of my Christmas is Boxing Day, sitting down, watching the racing, and seeing Card win was just a magnificent thing to watch. We've, we'd seen him bully horses in the Betfair. Um, and it, it, I think this, like between 20, well, almost we've underestimated the past 10 years of Gold Cup horses uh, with the tenacity and the fact that they can come back each season fighting fit and do it exactly the same. Um, there's, I don't want to say it now, but the, it's harder. You, you don't see his horses doing the same now. Like Sizing John, for example, he won the Gold Cup. He was never the same. Corny Green won the Gold Cup, was never the same. Um, obviously, that's different for Albion Photo. But be running in, in all the big races throughout the season 
year in, year out, and to get them right for them days. And Cucard was, he was a horse I could never very, I very rarely got right. I ever won any money on him because I'd, I, I, I can't remember. I, I don't think I ever won money on, on Cucard. However, he was a horse of a lifetime. And f- for that reason, he has to fit in at number three for me. I guess in that, Jim, as well, it takes two horses to make a, a great race. I mean, it probably would have been free had Don Cossack stood up. It's, it's insane to think that Votar was as good as he was, and I'm still not particularly sure whether we'd ever seen him at his, uh, reach his ceiling. Yeah. You know, probably the biggest loss to the game in my in my lifetime, in terms of, you know, a horse going out prematurely. Yeah. As you said, it takes two to tango. Uh, and he had a willing dance partner that day. And it's just a question of what might have been. Um, at the time, you didn't appreciate them. Like, you didn't appreciate Duvan as much or any power. But now you've looked at this season... And you've seen the champion hurdle. Now, don't get me wrong, Epitant was amazing. But and if Annie Power had been in that, I think Annie Power had beaten Epitant. Um, it was a question of what might have been with Duvan. He, he just he needed to be wrapped up in cotton wool. And at the time, I didn't appreciate them as much as what I probably should have. But now looking back, they were Rich Richie had a serious stable. And it, 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 I've enjoyed reminiscing this last week. Yeah. Don't like that this was five years ago, mate. I know, it's mental. And it's making me feel old. I didn't didn't even have a beard back in 2015. (laughs) That's mental. You've never seen a beard, won't you? (laughs) You've never seen me without a beard, have you? No, I've not, no. Yeah, well, I look about twelve. Well, I've I've seen seen the photo of you when 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 you were a when you were a goalkeeper in your who were it for Blackburn days? Oh, um, yeah. You've got the longest arms for any child I have ever seen. Jimmy's like an albatross, <laughs> honestly. He's, he's, like, he's, he's playing in like under-13s nets, and he can just stretch his arms from post to post. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, did, I did always have a bit of an advantage as a goalkeeper. I used to love playing in when you used to play seven aside. But I, I'd always been brought up to playing eleven side goals. I could touch both posts. I, I could lie across the floor and I'd cover the net. I'd be, oh, I did. Absolutely unbelievable, mate. Absolutely unbelievable. The wingspan of this man is seriously impressive. Uh, I'll move on, Jim, to your second favourite race of all time, then, pal. So in at number two. And it's a race from last year. Uh, and it appears at the Cheltenham Festival on that magical hour on the Thursday. And it is Paisley Park winning the Stayers Hurdle. Um, I followed this horse as a novice. Uh, I, 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 there was something about him that caught my eye. It was his, The way he was finishing his races was strongly. He was running over two mile four and, and looking like he went further. And I think he was brought out at the start of the season and he was running at Aintree in a handicap off a rating of 140. And I thought, wow, 
I think this is a horse. He's a serious, serious animal. He turned out to be superb. The story behind him um, is superb. Andrew Gemmell, uh, obviously blind since birth and, and couldn't see it, but he, he lives for the atmosphere. And I won't ever, ever, ever forget sitting and watching Paisley Park running that stairs hurdle. There was plenty of times in that race where I thought he was beat. I thought he was gone. Coming for home, he didn't even get the easiest run. Aidan Coleman, Coleman brought him out wide. And it's that, it's that clip on ITV. ITV had the camera. You can just see his nose coming. And then there's that flash of hope to go. He's actually coming here. And he was absolutely flying down the outside. Aidan Coleman said he was uh, got to the front far too early. Who cares? Um, he's an absolute wonder horse. Obviously, things haven't gone his way this season. He's not exactly had the ideal preparation going into Cheltenham. Everything was a bit uppity. Um, however, last season, everything went inch perfect. Plans came true. And that atmosphere, that hour in racing where we saw Frodon and Paisley win them two big races, the Ryanair and the Stayers, is something that will live with me forever. I wasn't there, but you you felt it on the telly. You felt like you were part of the moment. And Paisley Park is a very, very special horse to me. He's brought me a lot of joy. And for that, he will always be high up there in my list. Can I ask you, Paul, would you be more or less fond of Paisley Park's victory in the stairs if you didn't waste all the money you won off backing him at a million to one back in November by buying Black Lion? <laughs> for the Grand National a month later. Yeah, um, I blew all my winning on Black Lion. No, I didn't put that much on. Um, what price did I have Paisley, Paisley Park at, Lou? Just a question. <laughs> 700 oh. to 1. No, um, twenty. I think I had 25. Um, but it was you that made me that made me back him. It, it was you. You went, he's 25 for the stairs hurdle. That's not a bad price. And and my ears perked up and then we were, we were going in on him for the next three weeks. And luckily it paid off. There's nothing more satisfying than... Um, when a plan comes together and you've been sat on an anti-post slip at a good price for most of the season, it's it's one of the best feelings in the world. It's, it is, I was going to say, it's the best feeling in the world. Feeling oh. like you, you feel like the cleverest man on earth. Yeah. And, and my mates go to me, how come you've known that this horse is going to win this race in March? I go, well, there's a lot of that I've spent studying it, but there is a lot of luck that's needed involved. And I have been very fortunate in recent years. I had, that year, I had Albert Photo to win the Gold Cup at 25s. There was a lot of luck that year. Um, whereas this year, you look at it, and I had Manila Indo to win the RSA. And look, oh, this week, Lewis, right? I haven't told you this. Them commentary challenges on racing TV, how many people have done the Manila Indo? I'm, I thought we were over it. I'm really not. <laughs> I've still got flashback, and there's little ten-year-old Johnny commentating over, and here's Champ from another parish. I'm like, I can't watch it. I can't. I can't bring myself to it. it. It's. It still makes me sick. And I think in twenty, thirty years' time, 
it still will make me sick. <laughs> and and that and I will probably forever have a hatred of Champ. And that's not a good thing. But <laughs> because he nabbed me on the last a fair amount of quid, I, I, I'm devastated for it. And I'm sick of watching them commentary challenges. And I was going to do one. I was going to do a commentary challenge, but I was going to do it as me watching Manella Indoor in running, counting my winnings and thinking, I'm home and hosed here. Panic over. And then oh, these... please do that. Please but, do a, Please make a biased commentary. But um, maybe we'll think about it the weekend. <laughs> you mentioned it now, Jim. Let us know if you want to hear, Jim. If you want to hear it, I'll do a it. A biased commentary of... Manella Rindo being nabbed by champ in the RSA. That would be brilliant if people if people wanted to listen to that. <laughs> Watch a man have a breakdown. I've not fully watched the race back, I'm not going to lie. I've only watched the dying strides. You're going to get angrier and angrier as you watch that race back as well, Jim. Because at every single fence, you're going to watch champ and you're going to think, how has he won? How has he won slowing into every single fence and losing half a length? That's the thing we champ. I, I went into it thinking, uh, I thought, you know, I'd, I'd, you know, people listening to this podcast know I was with champ for the start of the season. He was the horse I had the most money on uh, at the festival as well. So it was it was quite a tidy little result for me. But I, and, and I did think the his jumping frailties had been over-egged. But he was worse in the RSA than he was in the Dipper. <laughs> he was. And, and, and not in a different way. I don't care if Champ ploughs his way through a couple, which I was kind of expecting him to do. He was slowing down into him and not looking like a horse who I'd, had ever seen a fence before. Uh, he's got some engine, though, and he might win the Gold Cup next season. Fingers there was, crossed. There was a massive word in front of that, and it was might and say no more because... Uh, what about Henrietta Knight's comments is in the racing about uh, album photos jumping? Christ! Well, you, 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 you don't have to be an excellent jumper. No, but, you have, but you, you have to be efficient, and that's what album photo is. He's a very efficient jumper who rarely makes an error, much improved from his novice days. Uh, I don't think I think Henrietta's got a bit too much shit for that comment than she's deserved on social media. Yeah, you know, there's been, a couple, there's been a fair a fair bit of stick. She's not called Album Photo a bad jumper. Yeah. But, you know, exceptional jumper is like what we saw Lost do round Carlisle or Surname. Uh, or, or what Lost Ask, do last twice. Uh, his last two wins. Yeah, exactly, mate. I'll, I'll, you know, Album Photo is a very, very good jumper and he's efficient rather than spectacular. And that wins your gold cups. Efficient rather than spectacular is the perfect way to summarise it. I also think, Jim, going back to this race, Paisley Park's 2019 one, he's beaten the most underrated horse in training here. And I almost tweeted this the other other day. It's it's been playing on my mind uh, during lockdown about... I kind of want to get a nice price for Sam Spinner at something because I still think he's ridiculously underrated. He is. He is. And I think it's, it's because he's a northern horse He's trained by Jed O'Keefe, and that's nothing against Jed O'Keefe because he is a very, very good trainer. We've seen him with big wins throughout his career, but I, I just don't think he gets the appreciation he deserves. I was very fortunate enough to see him uh, at the Malton, uh, not Malton, Midland Open Day, 
Jed or Keith Stables are absolutely spectacular. If I wanted to be a horse, I'd be there. Uh, uh, strong, strong advice. You get down to see his stables and Sam Spin. I couldn't believe how small he is. He's absolutely tiny. I'm bigger than Sam Spinner. You're bigger than a lot of things, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's not not too far wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think the problem with Sam Spinner is, do you know what? I think it was last, last week I had a look and just checked to see what his handicap mark was because I thought he, he could go in off top weight in a good early season staying chase. He's off 157, which was a little bit higher than I was expecting, to be honest. But I, I, think, I think the thing with Sam Spinner is that for a while, he became so overrated that people got it into the red that he was overrated. Yeah, and now, now he's and in become... That, he's actually yeah. become a little bit underrated. Yeah, I agree with you. Because he's not quite at the level people initially thought he might have been. He was just a fraction below that. He's not miles off. Keep an eye out for him this season. I do think there's a good race in Sam Spinner. I backed him for the RSA. Uh, at 20s back in October didn't quite pay off but no he's a horse I'm fond of but Paisley's a legend pal uh, do you think he wins the Stayers next year with a clean run I don't know uh, I think he, he well and truly could um, there was obviously issues this year it's a massive conundrum but um, he didn't have the perfect prep this season, didn't he? He was pulled out at Ascot due to the ground. It got bottomless, didn't he? She didn't want to take all of it out of him uh, early on. I think he should. I think he's around six to one. I was looking the other day. Um, he's around six to one for the stage hurdle next season, which wouldn't, wouldn't put. I won't put you off. Six to one each way is a decent price, isn't it? And he posts three places. You take it. Very fair. Very fair. Is is there a price for my stairs hurdle pick? Um, yeah. Do you want me to have a look? You can do, because it wasn't when I came up with my theory. My strongest held opinion uh, going into next season is that carefully selected should be given a stairs hurdle campaign. He, hey, up. He, hey, up. Is there a price? Five. 33 to 1. See, I can move markets, Jim. I can create my own markets because when I tweeted it two weeks ago, there was nothing on. There was 33s. nothing there. 33. I'm going to take a bit of that, pal. Sending yeah. back off hurdles, he was a better hurdler than Liz Nagar Oscar. He <laughs> races behind the bridle. It's a sort of horse that stay in, you know, that staying hurdles can be won by. He wouldn't be far off the best of him. And I see no reason to keep him over fences, you know, when he's, when he's been trying to limbo half of them. Rather than jump, <laughs> everyone lump on. Get on. Get tweeting Willie Mullins. Bring carefully selected back over hurdles. He wins the stairs in 2021. Uh, do you want to mention anything else about Paisley, Jim? I know he means the absolute world to you, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he he's up there at this moment in time with with Lost, and I can't deny that he's he's not because he he he's brought me some of the the most joy on a race course I've ever had. And I, he had to be mentioned on this list. Your number one race then of all time, pal. I'm interested I'm interested to say what it is. I'd have put money on this being lost in translations, Betfair Chase, and then I'd have had Paisley winning the stay as a second fav. So I'm intrigued to see what you're going to come out with here, mate. Right. So 
in at number one is a race that none of you will ever care about. It is the new and used cars at gct600.co.uk introductory hurdle on the 27th of December at Weatherby. <laughs> um, this was the day my granddad, uh, he owned a quarter of this horse with a few of his mates uh, called Hidden Justice the flat a maiden with amanda perrot and ran on hurdles debut juvenile hurdle i I was fairly fairly new to the game didn't really know what a juvenile hurdler was um it was the first time i've been in in the parade in the center of the parade ring got to the jockey john quinn train dougie costello rode this day and hidden justice didn't just win he absolutely sluiced up um he beat the second horse by 15 lengths do you know who the second horse was only awesome foolsies. Uh, oh, really? Another bit of a northern legend. Yeah. And uh, the most memorable moment about this was being stood in the owners and trainers bit, watching this race, stood next to Guillaume McCare. Guillaume McCare had a runner in this race. <laughs> How mental is that? Wow. Um, um, I was shouting down Guillaume McCare's wife's neck she was stood directly in front of me and we've got little hidden justice who we'd per- who we got to purchase for a fairly small amount of money um running against an 150 grand horse of Guillaume McCares and I, I, I'm I'm stood there I can remember Mr McCare he was very his clothing was very elaborate he had a bright red tie on a funky checkered shirt and almost dressed like Rupert the Bear if I, it, from, what, <laughs> from what I can remember. Um, Guillaume the Bear. <laughs> James Reevely had come over to ride it and everyone were talking about it in the parade ring. Um, it didn't actually go off favourite in the end. It was one of Brian Ellison's uh, that did. And we were... It, to be fair, that's what, been one of the most profitable days on the race course. We did... I had six winners out of the seven races <laughs> and this was back in 2012 so this is where i can pick some winners here uh and hidden justice won at 10 to 1 he jumped absolutely horrendously can i quote that it, it, it was one of the worst bits of jumping i the only jump he jumped well was the last and that's because he was already seven eight lengths in front uh dougie costello was taking a pull on him around the bend uh and this this race will live in my memory forever. This was the first time I'd felt any sort of personal connection with a horse um, because my granddad owned a quarter of it. It was the best. I'd say it's even it's one of the best moments in my life. <laughs> um, he didn't jump well at all, and he still won. He then went on uh, to run at Catrick in a in a sort of mediocre juvenile hurdle do you know who beat at, at Catrick carrying a penalty Deep Sand an old boy who used to be with Tim Easterby I think it's now with Ali Strong I'm not 100% sure uh, it's, Hidden Justice was a horse that sort of kick-started the proper love uh, wanting to own and breed and have a winner of any race and buying a maiden on the flat that's been running over a mile and four, mile and six consistently. Put it over hurdles. And he, luckily, we got to have a runner in the triumph hurdle. It wasn't to be. Uh, however, he's had a runner at Cheltenham. That's all I can say. 
got beat by our Connor. That was uh, Paul Carberry, the race before, broke his arm and rode, still rode in injustice and he finished 10th in the end, but he, re- he rode with a broken arm. There's a little nice fact for you. Um, but that race, I remember Dougie Costello pulling him out wide to the stand side. They bypassed the third last because he'd smashed through it on the first circuit, um, pulled into the near side, and it's almost like it up and took off and he absolutely flew on and I, I don't know where he is now um sort of his form tailed off towards the end and and he was sort of a bit injury prone so they handed him back over to John Quinn but I don't I, if anyone out there could find out where he is now he's an 11 year old uh he was running around the time of Kashmir Peak uh for John Quinn who won a hunter chase we saw I think Still Lewis going, mentioned it yeah yeah Lewis mentioned it, but it was one of them days where I will never forget. Can you just describe, Jim, then, the, the, the feeling you had on that on that Friday morning where the horse your granddad part owns is lining up as a reasonable each-way price for the uh, for the Triumph Hurdle? He was, he was 16 to 1. He'd gone and, you know, off the back of two two straight wins. He wasn't an outsider by any means around, you know, I mean, look, he was, he was in the top, top six or seven in the market. What, what was the mood like in the Watson camp that morning? It was just pure nerves. I remember, I remember walking to school and I was just, I was a bag of nerves and everyone was like, are you all right? And I was, I was like, well, my granddad's got a horse that's running at Cheltenham. That won't mean much to you, but however that, but then, I remember, as you know, Lewis, I am a man that doesn't run very quickly and do <laughs> things very quickly. And I ran home to watch it. Um, just got home in time. We weren't disappointed, but we were We were sort of, well, we've been there now. Sort of, that's it. That, we've, we've worn the T-shirt and it it's an unreal feeling having any sort of runner run at Cheltenham. And it'd be a dream of mine for one day to sort of have the same. Yeah, there's some good awesome. He went off. He went off half the price of Sametigal. I know. Was another one of your favourites. Yeah, um, we mentioned him a couple of months ago, and Crispy Green ran in that. I was obsessed with Crispy Green for a time. Um, it was a right little race, wasn't it? Far West Sametigal, dear Carly, Swinmore. I remember Swinmore. Swindermore was quite a good horse on the flat. Did he not win at win off and he get he'll go really close at Glorious Goodwood? Yeah, I think in that he good three year old handicap. Yeah, gassing golf from it. Yeah. Swindermore would have won the uh, the finale as well, wouldn't he? And he came down. Yeah, he would. He would. Um I he was a horse that. I really liked. He was. I love looking at I don't trust the juvenile form very much, but when you see a juvenile when you see juvenile form from the past and what it turns into it 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 makes me think god how old was that well just think uh 2012 that race happened so how old was i take eight off 13 i was only 13 christ that makes me feel old yeah i i, I love looking at these names rolling star went off favorite for that who nothing he, he's probably one of the more forgettable horses in the lineup. Like you said, Crispy Green, who was Goshen 1.0. <laughs> and um, I'll have to try and dig it out somewhere. There's a picture of me uh, on the 
collecting the trophy um, for Hidden Justice winning at Weatherby. I have the most questionable outfit on I have ever seen. I have, like, you know, remember them jeans that you used to have that you were cuffed at the bottom? I had what, like rolled, like rolled up? Yeah, cuffed I, jeans, what are you on about? No, you, like elastic cuffs at bottom where they tuck in. I looked, I looked like the biggest chav ever. I had a pair of Lonsdale trainers on that, on one one side had an orange rim round them, and on the other side had a green rim on them. I had I had some horrible looking. Oh, oh it's horrendous. I, I'm going to have to try and find it, and uh, I'm going to put it out there for you. What did Guillaume McKay when he saw uh, say when he saw your ensemble? Was it sacred blur? <laughs> he probably had fright of his life, to be brutally honest. Unscruff. Um, <laughs> he's turned up to Weatherby in this. In his plane, in his Rupert cut the bear outfit, and there's me, Chav Central, stood next to me, shouting, it's "Come on in, oh, isn't it? It's fascinating those outfits, mate. I went into when I went to Cheltenham this year. I went. I had a walk around the tented village, and some of the some of the clothes shops there, mate. It's like I've I've only seen people. I've only ever seen Michael Portillo dressed like that <laughs> before in my life. And you go around the tented village at Cheltenham. And it's every other shop selling clothes for Michael Portillo. <laughs> How do these businesses make their money? So I know that McKay is another member of the Portillo fashion uh, fashion club. Oh, I enjoyed that, Jim. I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to that. I I did not think it would be a a JCT six hundred sponsored juvenile. I'd have gone for that as your top one, mate. I I just thought I'd change it up. Everyone knows who listens to this knows what I enjoy and, and which horses I've loved. But I just thought I might as well chuck something different in um, rather than listening to the same old. Were you were you at Haydock when Hidden Justice won there, won there the season after? I was. Um, that was that was a good day. The, we always had a little pet peeve because if I remember rightly, um, the Victor Ladorum race, uh, we really wanted to run hidden justice in it so that we could go uh, but John Quinn said no he's, he's not ready and only awesome fools he went and hosed up by about 15 lengths and we said if we'd have won that we'd, we'd half the price for the triumph it would have been at least 8 to 1 I know that, that would have been the price but if, if, if he'd have run in the Victor Ladon he would have absolutely hosed up no, I, I enjoy that, mate. That's, it was an absolutely cracking shout there. And yeah, nice to find out where Hidden Justice is nowadays. If he's still going, it would be 11 years old now. Uh, I have to tweet Sean me, Quinn. He's quite active on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, great shout. I, I, I did I did enjoy that. Before I move on to asking about your favourite overall horses, Jim, a few quick-fire questions for the listeners to get to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, just away f- the mask behind the miserable man <laughs> you paint me out to be this absolute villain I'm I'm not that bad I'm approachable <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're more like you're more like Gru from Despicable Me than yeah uh, ah, you, you're not that bad a few quick fire questions Jim favourite food all of them I assume favourite see See, there's a difference favourite food or favourite meal. Because my favourite food is crisps. 
I cannot live without crisps. <laughs> I can vouch for that as well. I've never seen a man consume as much crisps as you do. <laughs> Love him. Any sort. I'm not even fussy. Favourite meal then? It's going to have to be boring, but it'd be steak and chips. Ha! <laughs> Can't go wrong. Oh, Drink? Gin and tonic. Which gin? I'm not fussy. <laughs> Just copious amounts. Yeah, as long as it's a double. Film? Oh, well, we all know. Kung Fu Panda. Really? Well, I don't watch films, do I? We know this. The only films I've watched are Kung Fu Panda. Um, what else have I watched? Bolt. I've watched Bolt. G-Force. I don't watch films. G Force. Dirty Dancing. G Force is the one about hamsters. <laughs> That's brilliant. Kung Fu Panda. I'd, I don't know what I expected you to say, but it won't that. Yeah. It well, won't that. There you go. Again, and it's yet another character that you resemble. <laughs> Not another one. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's my favourite film. I just don't, I haven't watched many films, so I, can't, I don't have a, a large pool to choose from. Favourite TV show, Jim? Favourite TV show? Peaky Blinders. Very, very fair shout. Uh, And if there'd be one funniest moment you can come up with uh, during your life at racing? Funniest moment during my life at racing? Christ. Uh, The one moment in racing you look back on and you laugh at the most? Uh, me saying that I'll man everyone from the Dante will win a group one <laughs> me telling me to yeah, retire that... one for Arthur I mean these, this this is just going to be low points of the podcast isn't it it's going uh, to be every time Jim said something and at the other end of the line I've been bashing my head against the wall bless him <laughs> probably something stupid I've said on here Good man. We'll go on to then your five favourite horses, pal. Uh, number one, mate. He's lost in translation involved in this. He is. He has to be number one. Um, he's done a lot for me. Um, I've followed him throughout his career. We've had a great joy in watching him run this season. Although he pulled up in the King George and probably would have won the Gold Cup if Tizard's horses were in a better form. But I've I've absolutely adored loving watching him run, and I can't wait to see him run next season. He I've never felt this much happiness about a horse ever run, and hopefully he can continue to provide his his trainers some more joy. Yeah, you want a print of him the other day as well. Do you want to give a shout out to the uh, uh, the I, artist who made that? I did. Um, apparently, it's due to be coming tomorrow. Uh, Ellen, Ker- uh, Ellen Kirby on Twitter. Her artwork is phenomenal, by the way. Um, there's loads on, on her website. She's put frames on them now as well, I think. Uh, you can have see a class Native River, Frankel, I think Petit Mouchoir's on there, Defi de Soy, Reserve Tank, Saïd de Grugy. There's loads to choose from, so go along and give her a follow. That's at Ellen Kirby. Um, she's a graphic designer. And I'd, I'd strongly advise um, giving her a follow, even though she's a scouse. 
Scouser. <laughs> oh my days, uh, mate! When was the first time then you thought we've lost? He was something special. When was that? That's a very, very, very good question. Um, when did I think he was something? Aintree. When he finished second to Black Op. It was. I I knew about him earlier on, but I didn't know about him as much. Um, maybe it was the way he travelled into the race loomed up and I thought he was going to absolutely swamp him but Black Op found more I, I put that down that day to Black Op just being a bit more streetwise and a year older he knew what he was doing a bit more uh, he still looked a big gangly green horse lost in translation and I thought he'd certainly improve for that and when I mean when I found out that he was going novice chasing, I thought, great, that's that's what he's made to do. And he bumped into a certain Le two times over fences, and, and that's never... She was at the peak of her life at that time, over fences, and he did not jump very well on them first two starts. Um, the dream properly started coming true uh, on New Year's Day at Cheltenham when he won the... I think he won the Dipper, beating Deffy Desai. Um, we'd been out, a couple of my mates had been out the night before um, for New Year and I said right I'm going to make us a fry up uh, one of my mates is an Everton fan we can watch watch Everton and then we're watching the Dipper to watch Lost in Translation and the next day the neighbours knocked on the door and apparently we were making too much noise at around half one and, and that was the time that Lost in Translation won the race uh, I may have been shouting slightly too loud um, and that was it just showed that he had a little bit of fight in him that day and I really, really loved him. I, 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 he's just beautiful to look at and I really can't wait for the rest of the next Yeah, to be fair to you, mate, you called it quite early. Uh, I think it was his first start of offences when the Bagawa beat him and you said on might have only been the second or third podcast we ever did together that you thought he was going to be a Gold Cup horse. Yeah, I'm, and I did not see it at that time at all. I kind of thought oh, this is another one where Jim's just having a wild swing. Uh, and you know what, mate? You're absolutely spot on. You're absolutely spot on. Always looked like it was going to be better over three miles. And yeah, the I mean the mild mail last season I think was probably the best novice chasing performance of that of that of that season. Yeah, it was devastating, wasn't he? He beat he top of the game. Um, who'd won the RSA absolutely devastating turn of foot never in doubt uh, he jumped perfect I've, I keep watching the, uh, the keep watching the gold cup back he did not put a foot wrong at all in the, in the gold cup it was it was a superb jumping performance I just think that the lack of uh, the way Tizard's horses were running was the only thing that, that sort of niggled just put niggle in my doubt. Um, I thought he stayed the distance. He, I don't think he was outstayed. I just think that I think the race could have been run to suit him slightly more. I think that it would have been better if they'd gone a quick, quicker pace, even though that could have suited into the hands of other horses. But I'm really, really fascinated for next season's sort of crop. We, we say it every season, we look forward to the potential superstars that could be in the three-mile division going for the Betfair chase, the King George, the Gold Cup. But this season, 
if you chuck in Champ, Alahor and Manila Indo into that equation, it's really, really exciting. And you've got to chuck top of the game in as well, who's been out injured. I don't think any of them will win the Gold Cup, Jim. Why? Because Foster will win. I, 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 think, I think the Gold Cup winner next year has run in this season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he will. It, it's just which one. And it's not going to be a real steal, so I can cross him out. Yeah, I'd, I don't think Manila Indo stays. Do you not think? I, I think Manila Indo does stay just a quieter ride next time. Over an extra two, mate. I think yeah. he gets three absolutely fine. But again, it's, it's the same it's the thing I said about Delta work. Really good horse over three miles, and I, I think he'll I think he'll win Grade Ones in Ireland. But I just don't see him as being Gold Cuppy. Yeah, I can understand. Uh, I just think he idled, and he ran on again when Champ passed him. I think he idled. I think he's an idle old bugger. I, th- I think next uh, next season he'll he'll be there or there. Alaho surely wants wants shorter. Yeah, but you never know what they might do. Just just. Mullins want to chuck another horse into that equation? Probably not. Does he want? To, he's got too many good horses, only Willie Mullins, and we still didn't put him in the champion trainer for turf talk. Anyway, number two. <laughs> uh, number two in my list is going to be Corto Star. Um, another jump horse, a horse of an absolute lifetime. Um, his form figures were unreal. Um, I, I probably will never be able to give Corto Star the credit he deserves. I sort of locked onto him in, in his twilight years, but they were still good twilight years, weren't they? Um, when he won the King George for the fourth, was it the fourth time? That was superb. Uh, he won five King Georges. Five King Georges, sorry. I, I, brain's not screwed on today properly. He was, he was, it was the fact that season in, season out, he was there. He took, he always turned up to the big races. He made the occasional jumping error, but that's what sort of made me like him a bit. The fact that he was quirky, even though if you look, put the shoe on the other foot. Um, I, I don't like Champ because he's quirky. <laughs> it's 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 odd to sort of put that into words. I like horses because of it, but I hate horses because I don't hate them, but I don't I oppose them. Um, it was the Denman. It's, it's all about a horse's rel- relative merits, and I don't think Carto was ever particularly quirky. He was nowhere near Squiggle territory. Neither yeah. is Champ, to be fair, mate. Both both of them. Corto could be risky. Yeah. He was an risky. exceptionally bold jumper. Yeah, risky. And sometimes sometimes that boldness led to a hairy moment here and there. Although his, his, his jumping record really was relatively decent for a horse of his uh, of his longevity. He only failed to complete over fences. Four times. Three times. Three times. Three times. Yeah, well... Without without being pulled up, obviously, towards the end of his career. But that's, in fact, one of my earliest racing memories is watching Snoopy Looper. Yeah. Take that Cotto coming down. In the Betfair. Yeah. 
did Peter Bowen train Snooper Loopy, if I remember rightly? He did, and there was uh, some James and Sean on Facebook this week. He's still going strong. Yeah. Is he? He is. If if, if, if there's a Facebook page called Race Horses, where are they now? Which uh, I'd I'd recommend anyone to join if you're on Facebook. Uh, and there were some banging photos of Snoopy Loopy in his retirement on there this week. Oh, good. That's good. Good to. I like hearing about the old. Like they have the Where Are They Now segment on ITV. That's always nice to hear. You go. I remember that one. Um, that's always nice to hear. What would you say was Carto's number one standout performance, Jim? Number one standout performance? Well, there was a lot to pick from, wasn't there? Um, hmm. Probably 2009 Gold Cup. Um, when he beat Demon by 13 and Exotic Dancer and Neptune Colonge. That that was Barber Shop was back behind Madison de Burley, Alberta's run. They're all horses that I knew of at the time, but I remember watching it and thinking, wow, right performance. I I didn't follow it as strongly, but um but that was one of the races that sort of interested me the most. I like as a I know you said does the names, but Corto Star's colours intrigued me when I was growing up. That's why I followed him a bit more. I like the the vibrancy of them. Um, it was easy to to pick out. I know you made the point early on. Did you, did you ever pick horses because of the names? I, I went for colours more than anything. Yeah, it was absolutely exceptional that day. That would probably be the one I'd have gone for as well because that was Denman really. Yeah. Peak Denman as well, and peak Exotic Dancer and peak Neptune Colonge. Yeah. They were all. Absolutely fabulous animals. I was a little bit more of a Denman man than a Carl man myself. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be a long time to, uh, till we see a horse as good as Carl again. Because people tend to forget as well with his versatility. He was champion two-miler as well. Yeah, he won the Tingle Creek, didn't he? He's mental. Yeah, he went off fab for the champion chase and he fell. It's mad. Like, it, now you'd think that's sort of unheard of. Would you think? Although we saw with Altior, that was the idea with Altior, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, not sure how much of a wise plan that was. I'd be surprised to see Altior in it. Well, I'm, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Altior in a Gold Cup now, but I, I felt like they were trying it a year too early. But yeah. I guess I, I guess we've caught up. You know. When when he went off for the uh, for the champion chase, he was a six year old, you know, and that mm. I, I think that is going to be a rare thing to do to have a horse top two miler at that age, and then decide no, we're going up in trip, because he, he he won the Tinkle Creek the same year he won the Gold Cup, yeah, you know, six or seven, which is insane. It's unthought of now. Imagine that, and it wasn't a bad Tingle Creek. He's beat Voipor Ustedes. <laughs> yeah, he's mental. I was going through his form early on in the day, and I was like, this horse was absolutely unbelievable. You, you, I don't think you'll ever see anything like him ever again. Did you ever get to see him in, in the flesh, obviously, because Haydock was a bit of a stomping ground of his? No, I didn't. 
I didn't really start going to Haydock until 2011 after the 2010 uh, Ebor Ebor festival, really. So I didn't really start going, to be brutally honest. If if, if I could be at, at one race day, his his fifth King George would be up there. Yeah, in I think terms that of would. celebrations of the scene. And almost the redemption story as well, because he'd had an all right season uh, in 2010-11. Long run had done him in the King George and the Gold Cup, and then he'd, he never went a yard at Punchestown. And that's kind of when people were thinking, right, that's it, we'll retire, you know, retire him. He was an 11-year-old at that point. And then you see him come out, and he does long run at Haydock, and then he does him again at Kempton. And at that point, Longman was the best friend since sliced bread. <laughs> he was. You know, yeah, banging shout, Cortal, legend of the game. Your number three, please, pal. Number three for me is Goldie Cover. Um, we're moving on to the flat now. Many of many a morning, waiting up, recording the Breeders' Cup to watch her run in that. Um, I can't exactly put my finger on it. I used to have Nokia flip-ups. Not flip-up. It might have been a Motorola flip-up. Um, my screensaver used to be a Goldie Cover. <laughs> um, I remember uh, winning at Newmarket. That's when I first properly knew of her. Um, she won the Falmouth. She'd done a lot previous to that. Um, she'd been two, six, six wins out of ten uh, as a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Brought on as a brought on as a four-year-old and blitzed them in the Falmouth. Uh, beat heaven sent. I, I just remember it was a horse that always meant a lot to me, and I, I, I can't put my finger on it why. I used to be obsessed with Olivier Pellier. I used to love the way he used to ride. Almost head down on the on the main, his arse in the air. It just used to make me think, what? A, oh, it was one of the reasons why I, I, I loved racing. Um, and Goldie Cove, when she won the what was it called, the Breeders' Cup Mile at Churchill, that was a moment I'll live forever. Sat in front living room. I think I rode. Goldie Cover on the side of the armchair. Um, I had a, I had a TV Times rolled up as a whip, and I think I, I think I rolled, rolled up. Uh, well, in well, if you think about it, in 2011, I, I wasn't as big as what I was now, and and the dream to be a jockey was still probably on. <laughs> However, I, as you'll probably see now, the dream is over. Um, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever be able to ride a horse unless it's a massive Shetland pony. Um, Shetland's over. Yeah, I, I probably could ride Shefty Zobo. Um, but that that horse sort of just made me think she was the first standout horse I can remember in my brain on the flat. And that's that's where my love for the breeders up probably did. Yeah, because I, I was going to mention that, Jim. You're, you're a lot more of an international man than I am. I, I have admittedly been... I'm, I'm, I'm making an attempt to... <laughs> to broaden my horizons a little bit, but I've never stayed up for the Breeders' Cup. I'll, I'll watch the replays where the uh, you know, where the Euro horses are running if, if it's an All-American Breeders' Cup race. I don't tend to be that fussed. Uh, 
But a horse like that can really help you get into the uh, in into almost the global side of the racing game, you know, where she's winning group ones in Britain, in America, in France, you know, all over the shop. And, and it's almost like, then it's it's close to like following a football team, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, sort of. You see the the Racing Tales Twitter account has been put, putting plenty of breeders cup. Ravens Pass, Dank winning, um, Magician just getting the better of the fugue. All then, I remember sitting watching them in the front living room, thinking, "God, I love this spot." And the, I think the Breeders' Cup for me is one of the pinnacles of the season. Like I'd rather win the Breeders' Cup than have a winner at Royal Ascot. Really? Yeah, and that, it, 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 go the, fact, the fact that you've got to go to America in their own backyard and go and beat their best horses. I'd much rather win a Breeders' Cup race than, than a Royal Ascot race. That's that's what I want to say, pal. Is is it the challenge? Is it the sense of achievement that we've we've gone and we've braved the Yanks? Yeah, yeah, it, it it is that, and you'll probably see that in my starters' orders careers as I've I've decided to purchase it after the talk that Joe, uh, Josh, and you had been giving it on the last podcast. I had to purchase it. I've, I've had Breeders' Cup Mile winners. I've had Breeders' All of my horses on the flat have evolved. The season is evolved around the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> so I leave Royal Ascot out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a fair point. Gold Cove was bloody good as well at Royal Ascot. You know, she's you go through a career, I mean, so consistent all the way through. Only ever once... Out of the first three in 27 yeah. starts, which is ridiculous. And you look at the horses who've beaten her, they are all top, top, top animals. I mean, it's the longevity of her as well. You know, she, she raced five for five different seasons. She, she took on almost horses of completely different generations. You know, she, she was running before I paid attention to racing. And by the time she'd finished racing, I'd had a few years of her. So yeah. I'd, I'd be able to appreciate her. It's a really good shout, Jim, Golding uh, Over. And mainly sticks out, looking through her form, was the foray uh, where she beat Paco by Dick Turpin, good old Regal Parade. Siuni was back in seventh. Uh, and we've seen the horses that Siuni's brought through. It's, it's some roll call of horses she's run against and beat. And like you've said, the longevity of her was superb. A progeny, we may have followed Terra Cova off a cliff. Um, so hopefully she brings some more interesting progeny through in the next couple of years. Yeah, good shout, Goldie Cover, what a mare. She was uh, number four for you, pal. Uh, number four for me is See the Stars. I know you'll be quite surprised that Frankel's not had a mention on here, but for me, see the stars did more than Frankel. Frankel was a better, but see the stars won more. Um, for me, the race that sticks out in my mind is the Prix de Triomphe. They won. Uh, he was. He took a keen hold early on. He was. He, he, he wasn't the easiest to settle. He dropped a long way back on the inside rail 
and Mick Kinnan needed some absolute magic to to get him to win that. And I, I remember remotely, my granddad turned to me and said, "If see the stars is as good as what everyone's made out to be. If he if he wins the arc from this position, he's a superstar." And that's certainly what he did. He won it easily in the end by two lengths. He quickened, he travelled, and it was almost like everything had clicked all at once. And it was such a good performance. Um, I've seen the eclipse this week on on Twitter. I've watched that many a time. You tweeted about that, Lewis. He he was he was a serious serious animal. Um, form uh, unbeaten mainly barring his his debut start was pretty pretty impressive. Um, he he sort of it was a fact that he ran in all the big races. And I'm not saying that Frankel did didn't sorry, but. He he won the Guineas, the Derby, the Eclipse, and the Arc. For me, they're the four main races of the of the season, and in England and Ireland and in France, they're the four main races, and he won all of them. And for that reason, he has to he has to be in this list. I'd agree with you, mate. I, I said I, I was tweeting about seeing the stars earlier this week. 2009 was the first year I ever paid really say real attention to racing and it's taken me almost you know till a couple of years ago just to appreciate how special see the stars was winning a group one six months in a row and I know people say there's no Mickey Mouse group ones but these definitely weren't Mickey Mouse group ones you know, it, he was a ridiculous horse over a variety of distances, a mile up to a mile four. It was like Frank Frankel was the Ferrari, but seeing the stars was a Rolls Royce of a horse, just con- yeah. so much controlled aggression. You know, and he, he never won by particularly fire. I know Time Form of uh, put an article out, haven't they, during lockdown about why they couldn't rate him higher than 140. Because yeah, he didn't particularly do do loads in front, but I think you'd say that one forty is a conservative estimate. Yeah, so do I. Of just how uh, good this horse was. If he yeah. wanted, if he wanted to, if Humzane had run seven lengths clear of the rest of the field, see the stars would have gone with him. Yeah, he would have. Just a ridiculously good animal. I could talk for ages about seeing the stars and it's it's coming back to the horses he's beat as well you know I, I can I can proper reminisce about the likes of you know that that eclipse with conduit and Rip Van Winkle yeah and Steel Tango yeah who was a horse I really liked when you were first getting in when I was first getting into racing mainly due to his colours to be fair uh and then the arc victory when he came against Yumzain, who was probably unlucky never to win a knack, to be fair. Mm. But it's a banging shout. And then, I think he got the excitement the year after as well. I remember this uh, quite vividly of Born to See. Yeah, Born to See. Coming straight out the year after. And that added a, a little bit of extra interest to the stories. Because that was the first... I guess Born to See was the first time, the first hype horse I remember. Yeah. Due to what his old brother had done. I think I agree. Like I think he was probably the first hype horse for me as well. 
He wasn't bad, was he? Did Bond, did Bond did he get a group one? I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Was he an unbeaten, unbeaten two-year-old, and then he went and won a won a group one at three? But he didn't, he didn't run in the Guineas, did he? I'm just have a look at his form. I'll get his form up. And but did he win the? Did he flop first time out in the Irish Guineas or something like that? My my laptop playing up. He's four grand at stud and all that. <laughs> He's, he's, he didn't turn out to be as expensive as his brother. No, he, were a, he, he was another really tidy horse. Here we Sire go. Sire of a spider cow. Yeah. Um, he, he flopped in the English guineas. He finished 12th in the English, 5th in the Irish. He finished 4th in the St. James's Palace. He didn't win as a three-year-old. No, I, I must have got that wrong then, because I, I, I kind of remembered him winning early doors, then being disappointing, a bit like too darn hot. Don't, whoa, 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 um, he was just ran over the wrong distances. They made the wrong decisions with him, and he's paid for it. And I, don't don't you ever say a bad word about Two Darn Hot on this podcast. I've worked that, mate. I've worked not to not to go in on him, pal. We'll move on then, Jim, to your final pick for your top five horses. He's a horse I've mentioned already in my previous list, but Harry Angel sneaks in at number five. Um, most I've, I've talked about him mostly already. I, I don't need to say the same, but him winning the two main races uh, in the sprinting six furlong campaign, the July Cup and the Sprint Cup, being there to see him, it was the excitement about him. The fact that we knew he was a bit precocious. It's a bit like you and Batash. Like I, me and Harry Angel were sort of. I know that you can be a little bit of a monkey in the stalls. But I'm willing to take that risk because I know you've got ex- super potential uh, that you could probably be top class. And I-, I loved him for that. And I saw him many a time. I saw him run at York. Uh, I saw him run at Adok many a time. And for that reason, he, he has to sneak in at number five. Uh, there was many horses that I probably could have added. But I, I, I thought I'll sort of try and spread them out a bit because I wanted to chuck Paisley Park onto this list. But I thought, well, I've already mentioned him. Um, I, I sort of tried to give a good mixture rather than just saying the same races and the same horses on the same list. I thought it'd be quite boring. When the flat season returns, engine is Pierre Lapin going to be one of your number one horses to follow? Oh, most definitely. I strongly fancied him for the Commonwealth Cup. If that goes ahead, who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, I, I think that he's... It'd be interesting to see what three-year-olds do this season because if there's not that much racing this year, they're more likely to stay as four-year-olds. It'd be interesting to see breeding-wise, like there'll be a, probably a difference. Um, there was question marks of him 
going into that mill reef, whether he was quite up to the standard because he was very green at Haydock on debut. But it, he kicked on to that next level, beating Mystery Power and Shadden. Um, I, I think he, he's got the world at his feet and a sprinting campaign will be certainly interesting. Although the sprint, the sprinting uh, three-year-olds this season are exciting, in my opinion. You, you chuck Mum's tipple in, you can't forget what Mum's tipple did at York. I've never seen a horse blitz past me that fast, ever. Um, you can't, you can't underappreciate that. Um, Shiskin, you chuck that him into the equation. Um, they're, they're probably going to go the the Miley route with Threat, but I, th- I personally think Threat's full of speed. Lord of the Lodge, he he got beat by Threat in the gym crack. A lot of talk about him today with the Calbert. Um, so the sprinting division this season is very, very hot. However, I'm really looking forward to seeing him run it. He's a beautiful looking sort. I like that you've mentioned Fret. He could be very good this season. I think he's going to be slightly underrated in the early part of the season as well because he's a little bit more exposed. He was quite an early two year old. We saw him at Royal Ascot where he got beat by. Another very, very decent two-year-old in Arizona. Uh, and he's just, he just kind of went on from strength to strength. He was still not quite the finished article at Royal Ascot. And I think he doesn't particularly have a sexy profile going into his three-year-old campaign, which means he might end up being a couple of points bigger in places than he should be. So I like that you mentioned Fred. He's a horse I'm very keen on. As a yeah, three-year-old. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to make him a miler early doors, though. Yeah, if I wouldn't a blame him. Ten sovereigns type thing happened with him. Yeah, wouldn't blame him at all. Looking at the betting for the Commonwealth Cup, they've got Earthlight and Pinatuba at the top of the market. That's mental. Uh, Alali, the uh, Simon Crisford horse. Uh, Dea, or Dehea. Um, Golden Hard, you've got to think, last season, Clive Cox's two-year-olds, Golden Hard and Positive, were solid, solid types. I think they could be decent horses this season. Don't underappreciate them. And obviously, Aidan O'Brien will have something Royal Lytham more than likely uh, looking that way. And Tim Easterby's Lampank. He's a horse that a lot of people like and probably want to keep on the good side. It's a very, very hot division this season, but I think Pierre Lapin's got a serious amount of ability. It needs to be as well, because all the good sprinters last year were out and out five furlong horses. Correct. Apart from Blue Point, got retired halfway through the year. Correct. Don't, uh, n- not saying, not not being harsh on ten sovereigns, but look at who he beat in the July Cup. He was beating a bunch of milers. He was, um, and that's a fair enough way to put it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like I'd like a really good six furlong horse to come out this season. Fingers crossed for me. It'll be Fret. Uh, Jim, do you want to wrap that up there, mate? Yeah, that's that's everything I've like done. Not at all. I've I've rattled through. We've probably gone far too long, and everyone's sick of listening to me dribble on about races in 2009. But <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed that. Mate. I enjoyed it. We were a good listen. A bit a bit of nostalgia. I loved I loved hearing your uh, experience with Hidden Justice because you never told me that story before, and it was, I, I was suitably entertained by it, pal. Good. Good, I'm, I'm glad. I, I thought I'd save it for a special occasion. Uh, I hope Mr. McCare is listening to the podcast, and if so, uh, I love your dress sense, and I'd quite like to know where you get your suits from. Thing is, I thought you were going to tell him to buy some new clothes, so if the next time I see you, you're not wearing red 
collar trousers and a tweed jacket, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. Don't worry, I will be. Um, I'll get, I'll get on the, I'll get an eBay now and, and try and find some. Uh, before we go, I'm gonna, I say I'm gonna give a mention of, of course again to at Four Racing uh, One on Twitter. It's Four Racing v Covid. Uh, I've got the links are all on my Twitter. Uh, I'll retweet it again. I'll eat an egg for him tomorrow. Uh, Jim told me earlier, Jim has a five egg scrambled egg. Yeah. I don't get what the issue is with this. Why? Why? I wrote and said, no one needs five eggs, Jim. Well, I'm hungry, aren't I? So. <laughs> In the morning, right, I base my day. Like, I have five Weetabix. I have like a five breakfast rule. I wouldn't say I put it into play every day. But if I know I'm going to be busy throughout the day and not going to be able to eat, I'll stack up at breakfast so I'll have five Weetabix. So, for example, if I was going to Halifax on a Saturday to report, I'd know that I'm probably not going to have lunch or dinner because I'm going straight to work afterwards. So I'll have five eggs and five slices of toast, and that'll fill me up for the day. And that'll keep me going until I get home at work at about 12 at night. So, so when you contextualise it, it doesn't sound that bad, but when he just came out with when I said, oh, I've, I've, I've got to eat an egg, <laughs> and you oh, I have five eggs in my scrambled eggs. <laughs> It, it just made, made me feel like some sort of paltry Augustus Gloop. <laughs> it makes me sound like quite a fat bastard, to be really honest. <laughs> but but you've sort like I have to plan my day out because I'm it's most of the time I don't have time to eat. So if I eat a lot at breakfast, then I don't need to eat throughout the day. Get my mind on the job. Uh, yeah, obviously, of course. Well, thanks to all our friends at Rating the Races as well. Liam's been putting some cracking stories out on his LinkedIn as well, uh, keeping the Rating the Races lads going. It's really entertaining. Make sure you have a look at that. And thanks uh, to them for supporting us again. Uh, it's my turn next, Jim. Yeah. You can take the reins of a podcast. Oh, I, I'm looking forward at the prospect. I haven't, I haven't taken the reins for a while. It's going to go to shit, yeah, probably. It's I'm not exactly. Shit. I'm not exactly the, the best presenter, but we'll give it a go. Um, better get thinking now. Oh, I. We could have you for a standing, can't we? We can have the Padre Beggy of podcasts coming in. And he, I'd quite, he probably I'd quite has, happily take that. He has, he's a man with probably the best derby winning ratio <laughs> of any man on the planet. So I've got thanks a lot to everyone for listening. Uh, this has been Turf Talk. Stay safe uh, and we'll see you all again soon. See you later. Wash your hands, everyone. Stay safe.